How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. And we are continuing our 100th episode celebration by breaking down our favorite matches from various decades. And this week, we are going to be covering the aughts, the 2000s. I, just I, usually, I usually like to call it the aughts. Really? Because I, I feel weird calling it the aughts. I don't know why. Like, it just doesn't sound natural. It doesn't roll off the tongue. The aughts. Well, you can say the 2000s. <laughs> well, that, that sounds weird, too. It's, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll put up a graphic here of uh, some of our picks from previous weeks in case you want to go listen to those episodes or check sure. out those matches. But uh, we will roll forward here. Um, so just a little bit of background on this decade in particular. So... This decade saw like another peak of my fandom, and then it saw another huge dip of my fandom as the decade would roll along. So my picks are very much front logged. <laughs> like, so, uh, you know, I was in college and moving to a different state, uh, you know, meeting my future wife, all that stuff. So I had a lot going on in this decade, and uh, my picks kind of reflect that so leonard any insight into this decade for you uh, you know i i would say my fandom was kind of steady throughout this decade really um, i was out of college by this point starting in 01 and i floated around for quite a few years until i got my job now uh, as a journalist in 08 so i had a lot of free time so therefore i was watching a lot during this period and not just wwe i think a lot of people when right. they think decade uh, especially U.S., it's it's very WWE heavy because ECW and WCW were gone, and the territories were long gone. So when you look past them, uh, you have TNA, which is now Impact, and Ring of Honor, and both of those uh, do get represented by us here. Uh, it, at least with with me on the main list and in the honorable mentions, I think you have uh, you have no Ring of Honor. I don't think. No, and we'll get to, uh, I'll kind of lay out why that might be the case. Um, but uh, yeah, and it should go, you know, we haven't mentioned, but uh, it was also in this decade that Leonard and I met. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I started working for for 411 Mania and uh, Leonard was one of the editors, uh, you know, and the rest is history, right, Leonard? Right. I think I started in 003 yeah. and became an editor shortly after that because that was when the site kind of, had a split uh, right. be between management and some people got elevated. And I was part of that with the shout out to Scott Rutherford early on, we were sharing duties and then I eventually assumed duties. And then I had to step back because of, you know, changing my vocation and some things at which right. point we became editor. So. Right. And here we are now. And uh, let's move on with our honorable mentions. Leonard, why don't you start us off with your honorable sure thing. Well, I'm going to give you three starting out from WWE. That would be Steve Austin versus The Rock at WrestleMania 17 and 01. And this probably would have made my main list if it wasn't for Vince McMahon aligning with Austin at the end, which to me just did not make sense with the long history those two had. And all three matches, I think, between Rock and Austin are great. Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21 from 2005, and The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25 from 2009. So, uh, again, a, a decade that I think Michaels, Angle, and Undertaker were all putting on great matches, and they're all going to show up on, on the main list later. 
then uh, two, well, three actually from outside WWE. I'm going to give you Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness from Ring of Honor Unified in 2006 and then Driven in 07. Most people will tell you the 07 match was better. Both are great. And then AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe from TNA Turning Point in 05. Uh, and now three back to WWE. And these are matches that I know are problematic for a lot of people, including you, Chad. And that's probably why you didn't have any of these on your list. And that's because they featured Chris Benoit. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 20 versus Benoit. Uh, from 2004, Kurt Angle versus Benoit from Royal Rumble 03, and Angle and Benoit versus Mysterio and Edge at No Mercy 02. And we've talked before about separating the art from the artist. And I think not putting on my main list, but saying, yeah, Chris Benoit has some amazing matches during this decade. And to recognize that, especially the fact that you're giving some credence to the other people that he was in the ring with and that he was working with. You know, that's one argument I remember hearing about Bill Cosby. Yes, we've banished Bill Cosby and we've banished the Cosby show, but that's a disservice to a lot of the people who worked on that program uh, as, as well, that they unfortunately have to pay for his sins. And you can say that a lot with Benoit too, you know, not to say that people like Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, these people have been forgotten. They certainly haven't. But they were part of this great work with Benoit. So I think at the very least to mention those three matches uh, in passing is is certainly fine. Yeah, I don't I don't fault you at all. Um, as as far as why I didn't mention any of his matches. My take on it is simply that I will acknowledge him as a person who had a lot of great matches. If his name comes up, I will certainly talk about it. Mm-hmm. I will never highlight him, mm-hmm. you know, but it, yes, the matches you mentioned all are mer- all are worth mentioning. They all will come across lists. If you look up best matches from this decade and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if the events that happened didn't happen, I would say the WrestleMania 20 main event was, was a, a highlight. I remember it very, very yeah. memorably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. That's definitely a match that, probably would have made my name main list if it wasn't for all the situation around Midlock. You know, right. if we were in a different timeline, that probably certainly would be one of my three. Right. And the other matches that you mentioned, uh, you know, the Steve Austin versus the rock that, that, that is, you know, their best match. And I really enjoyed that match a lot. Just God, the intensity that Austin had towards the end of it, the heel turn thing. I agree. It was, problematic and it should have been handled differently some people that would probably argue that it shouldn't have been that way at all i thought that his heel turn had some fun moments that we still see today this stuff with kurt angle and all that kind of comedy oh, stuff yeah like once it happened he really had fun with it which was great it's just the, the way it was accomplished yeah no i agree um yeah it, that and you know anytime you listen to any any of the podcasts out there they all pretty much agree that it should have been done differently but it was steve's call and they wanted to do it because of that and uh what was the name what was the match you mentioned after that leonard oh well we got um uh angle versus michaels at wrestlemania 21 and undertaker versus michaels at 25 right and yes um you know sean michaels had so many great performances in this decade as well i love the angle match i love the two undertaker matches um they were classics and a lot of people probably would have put the undertaker match as one of their greatest favorite matches ever and i understand that um as far as the roh stuff goes um i have seen 
one of the Nigel McGinnis, Brian Anderson matches off the top of my head. I cannot recall which one it was, but the one I saw was very, very good. And I'll get, we'll get more into the ROH stuff um, when Leonard gets to his main list, mm-hmm. but let me go to my honorable mention list. And I have triple H versus cactus Jack, the street fight at the WWE Royal rumble, 2000. Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at WrestleMania 18 or X8. Leonard made me say X8, right, Leonard? I did. I did. It's X8 and X7. Yeah. And I don't know why they stopped that. I mean, <laughs> why would they? X, at WrestleMania XX, X, XIX, you know what? <laughs> Missed the boat. Um, at uh, WrestleMania 17, we have Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys, TLC2. Just a classic that never gets old there. And uh, my TNA mention would be AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe at TNA Unbreakable, the X Division Championship on September 11th, 2005. So, Leonard, what do you think of these matches? Well, the, well, the TNA uh, X Division match, I would have had on my honorable mentions if you hadn't had it. So that's why I used Styles and Joe instead because I wanted to mention something from that rock versus hogan from from x8 i think you totally could have had uh, had that i think that that would have been if we went to five i think that might have been my five and oh, again, yeah, I, that, that probably would have been my four yeah and, and and again because you mentioned it i i did not uh because i saw your list first before i got you mine and uh what 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 was uh the the first one you mentioned, you mentioned another one. Triple there. H versus Cactus Jack. Oh, yeah. We talked about that before when we did, I think, uh, <laughs> matches, the best Rumble matches that weren't the Rumble, something like that. So we had talked about that, of course, in the past, and that is uh, a great match uh, as well. So, yeah, fine. And, and the TLCs, you know, we've talked about, I don't particularly like, love those as much as some people do. I think they're spectacular car crashes, uh, but, but aren't necessarily my, my cup of tea overall. All right. So... Leonard, what is your first pick? If and we usually go in chronological order. Yes, I'm going chronologically again here. I, 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 I'm not sure the order I sent you, but I chronologically ordered it on my screen here. So my first match we're going to talk about is Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon Street Fight from King of the Ring on six twenty four row one. It's uh, close to twenty six minutes long. This was on Chad's honorable mention list, and it actually reminded me of it. This was a match that I really actually loved for a long time. And then I kind of forgot about it. And I think a lot of people forgot about it. And and the reason probably is with Angle and McMahon, both out of the WWE for so long, they stopped talking about it. They stopped highlighting it. But there was a point shortly after where this match came up a lot. They talked about it a lot. You can find behind the scenes highlights of McMahon and Angle talking about it. And this was a match that for the longest time um, you know, people would say, oh, well, it's all fake. It's all smoke and mirrors. Well, watch this match. And actually, I was watching this uh, to review it for, for notes and such for the show. And my wife was in the room. And when the spot came up there where McMahon gets thrown through the glass, I said, watch this. And she, she cringed at it and she cringed at the blood. And I told her that wasn't planned. That's not breakaway glass. Right. And then now wait. And he goes back through the other side. So, but I think most people, when they think about this match, they think about that spot. And then about Angle pushing him back 
uh, to the ring on the case. But this match is a lot more than that. It, it, it really is, you know, because uh, this was matched at the beginning, I think, was really good uh, as far as how they kind of mixed brawling and wrestling and how they told the story of McMahon being able to kind of hang with Engle. And yes, Shane had had some, some different matches before this, but this to me, I think was really a coming out for him where I bet you he earned a lot of respect from the guys in the back. If he didn't have that all already. And, and um, you know, from, so from a storytelling standpoint and from a wrestling standpoint in the beginning, I think this is a really good match. So if it's something where you've only seen, the highlights of the big spots in the last, you know, five to seven minutes of it, go back and watch the whole thing. And I think the whole thing holds up. And if it was just that one spot, kind of what we talked about with the hell in the cell between Taker and Foley last week, uh, if it's just that one spot, yeah, maybe you watched a highlight on that, but the match itself isn't necessarily well regarded. This, I think, is a good match overall where those spots, those crazy hardcore spots tell the story and take it to another level. It's just not about those spots. Um, yeah. So this match almost made my main list specifically because I enjoy watching it so much. This is one of those matches I can watch over and over again and not get tired of it. And I totally agree with you that it's much more than that one spot through the glass, but that spot does show just how determined angle can be in a match. And it certainly shows the intensity of both guys, specifically angle. Um, this rivalry might not have been much before this, but this match made this rivalry between he and Shane, you know, in a big way, like it really put it in the forefront. Um, I think Kurt had wrestled three times on this card. And, you know, by this point, you know, Shane had cost him the second King of the ring uh, title and so he was like you know pissed and came to the ring that way um, and the match is a little rough around the edges if you really examine it closely but it's just still so fascinating to watch because you know Kurt breaks his tailbone and Shane gets knocked out initially on the glass before it breaks um, I mean it's just it's just crazy what they put themselves through and like even the final spot where Angle does the angle slam off the top rope with the piece of plywood there, like you can see the ref holding it, but it doesn't take away from the fact that that's a crazy spot to do. <laughs> and like yeah. knew that that was going to be final, that that was going to be the end of the match. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoy this one a lot. Yeah, I, one thing I did forget to mention that you uh, touched on was the fact that the whole the story of the whole night the fact this was the King of the Ring and Engle had wrestled twice before this. He beat Christian and then lost to Edge. And that was all by design of McMahon machinations as well, because he wanted Engle as warm as possible getting in. So that's a that's another thing. I love, you know, the storytelling. I think a lot of things I have and I have a lot of storytelling to it. And that is something where the whole pay-per-view was kind of used to help get that over. Absolutely. Well, my first match in chronological order is from February 25th, 2001. It is from No Way Out, 2001. And it is the three stages of hell match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. And this is definitely one of my favorite matches of all time. And I think it's, it's my favorite Steve Austin 
match, even if you're including the Bret Hart stuff, for me personally. And there's a lot of Stone Cold matches that, for me, are really close together. One of the reasons why I like this match is because I always thought that the three stages of hell concept was really fun and, you know, kind of a way to do the ultimate gimmick blow off of a feud, um, you know, if we didn't always want to do the hell on the cell. Um, here you have the first stage being a singles match, the second being a street fight, and then the third being the steel cage. And even though I was a huge Stone Cold fan and just wanted him to see, get his ultimate revenge on Triple H, if you recall, they had the long drawn out storyline with uh, he and Triple H and uh, Austin getting run over by the car. Um, and this was kind of the final blow off to that because if memory serves, it would be the, literally the next month that Stone Cold and The Rock would face each other at WrestleMania 17. So this was like ending that feud right before Stone Cold would do the whole heel turn thing. And uh, one of my favorite parts of this match is the ending. I just thought that this was a great way to end this match and, you know, have the heel go over with Austin not looking any worse for the wear because he's going into your WrestleMania main event. Both guys knock each other out. And the only reason Triple H wins is just because he lands on Stone Cold for uh, last, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, this to me, this match has everything you could want in a, whether it be gimmicks or just straight up singles contest. Um and I, I always enjoy watching it. Leonard? It surprises me that WWE hasn't done two things from this more. The finish that you mentioned, where both guys get knocked out and Triple H just happens to land on top of Austin. I actually stole that for a fantasy league I was in at one point as a finish. And then the other is the three stages of hell. I looked it up. There's only been five. Mm. And it's, the last one was from NXT, and I forget who was in that now, but that had the same three falls. The other ones had different falls, um, which I think would be interesting to revisit all of those. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This had great intensity throughout. Uh, if this was just a one-fall match, just that first fall, I think this would still be considered a great match. And that first fall just showed how much these two knew each other. And that figure four spot, I think, was great in that. Um, and and then everything else throughout. Let me ask you this. Um, is this the first use of the sledgehammer? By Triple H. Is this the debut of it? Uh I'm not sure. That's a good question. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think to look it up or, or research it much, but um, you know, it definitely and I love how Lawler accused Ross of planting the sledgehammer at ringside for <laughs> yeah. Austin to use, and he denies it. He didn't know it was there, but it was literally right behind him. So yeah. how do you not know it was there? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, and, and this again, storytelling here. I love the fact that Triple H, or I should let's start with Austin. Austin was the first fall, but on commentary, they put over, oh, Triple H is the wrestler and Austin's the brawler, right? And Hunter wins the brawl, uh, instead of the technical match. So I think that was a great little bit of story storytelling there. Uh, this match is only about 40 minutes, which I think kind of yeah, it almost seems short when you consider we have three falls within that 40-minute time frame, but each fall feels about right with how it's laid out and the timing of it and everything. Uh, but yeah, just a really great match. And another match I kind of forgot about. A lot of these early in the decade matches, for whatever reason, I kind of forgot about, even though at the time, you know, through probably the first half 
three quarters of the decade, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great match. Unlike the stuff of the 80s and the 90s where off the top of my head, I went, yep, knew exactly what I was going to talk about. Yep, knew everything you were going to talk about. This was one of the few things where I went, oh, I forgot about that one. But this this is a great one. And, you know, No Way Out 2001 is such a, a great card, by the yeah. way. Uh, the main event of this card was Kurt Angle versus The Rock for the for the WWE title. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing I discovered, I'll have to go and look up some of those other three stages of hell matches because a match that wasn't in WWE, probably one of the examples that created this concept of having a two out of three falls match with gimmicks instead of just straight falls i was listening to mick Foley's podcast foley is pod where he talks about his matches with eddie gilbert and they had a similar match like this um in an indie, it was an indie promotion the name escapes me but uh the first fall was falls count anywhere the second was a ambulance match or a stretcher match and the third was in a steel cage and the matches went on for so long mm-hmm. that most of the crowd was had left by the time the steel cage came around. That's awesome. How how do you come back after a stretcher? Right. I was wondering that as well. well so on a tangent here. So one of the things that happens is Eddie Gilbert wins that fall with the uh, with the ambulance match, the stretcher match. Um, and it doesn't even look like there's going to be a third fall. And then basically they declare Eddie Gilbert the winner, but Mick Foley finds a way to come back out. And uh, so there's like a long waiting period, even between all each of the falls. It's not like it's all, they're all straight. It seems like there's a, a pretty good break period before each one. So each one you have to find separately. They're not in one video together. I was going to ask if the video exists. I would like to see this. Yeah, they are. They are there. Um, but uh, Leonard, what's your next match? So, in order, chronologically, we have uh, CM Punk for Samoa Joe 2 for the Ring of Honor World Championship from October 16th of 2004. This is a one-hour time limit draw. And uh, but they had a trilogy, which was great. Uh, when you talk, I mentioned this earlier, when you talk wrestling in the aughts, um, you know, you've got to, I think, at least for me, throw Ring of Honor in there, even though they were very much a more of a regional promotion during this time and having national exposure, but they had some great content and some great stars of, of the future coming on the middle part of this decade, including Punk and Joe. Uh, you know, Punk versus Joe trilogy is the Steamboat versus Slayer trilogy for Ring of Honor. Uh, and uh, this bout, just like Flair versus Steamboat that, that I talked about in our 80s matches, built as it went on and played off the stuff from the first match and stuff from earlier in the match. The early part of this encounter is just some great technical wrestling with Punk so committed to working the headlock. But as the match went on, it increased in intensity and the outside the ring spots like Punk stealing the Olay kick and then Joe getting it a little bit later was fantastic. Um, weird to me was, was the fact that the commentary drops out in like the last 15 minutes. The guys say, well, let's go watch this in the crowd. And then they just disappear, which kind of gives the last 15 minutes a very weird feeling even though that is a very fantastic portion of the bout because of how deep both men have to dig down and the spots that they do during this portion like the two superplexes that lead to the draw um you know if you follow punk versus joe at other stops like joe and tna punk and wwe 
that you haven't seen this match, I highly recommend it. You'll be amazed and impressed at what they do here, even if you've, you are versed on them from stuff they've done elsewhere. This, uh, a lot of people still consider this to be one of the greatest Ring of Honor matches of all time, if not uh, the, the best Ring of Honor match of all time. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with uh, with that statement. And uh, Let me ask, have you seen this before or had you watched this just this week? I actually own this DVD. Okay. So I had watched it, but it was very long ago. So I revisited it uh, before this show. And uh, the, I mean, this is, yeah, this is a great match to watch. And if you haven't seen, I echo your sentiments. If you haven't seen some of Punk and Joe's early stuff, I, I highly recommend going to watch it. Even if indie matches are not your thing, um, you know, try to seek it out. Hopefully one day you can access Ring of Honor stuff a lot easier. Um, and that leads me to why maybe more Ring of Honor matches weren't represented on my list and my honorable mention list. And it's because the Ring of Honor library is not easy to access. Now, the stuff now, there might be a little bit more stuff on YouTube now than there was. Um, I've gone through spouts where I really discover like, oh, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were a tag team and they had this great match with the Briscoes and they had this great match together. Uh, you know, all that stuff is very hard to find. And if there was, there is such a thing as the honor club, which is their streaming service. And I don't know how much it still exists, but now that Tony Khan has bought the company, but when, before he bought the company, the honor club sucked. It was the worst streaming service period ever. And it, you just a lot of their classic material wasn't on there what was there was really difficult to find um so yeah ring of honor has endless amounts of really classic matches that you can access from stars that are still around today and uh this is one of the best feuds uh samoa joe had so many really great matches and gosh to see him really young you know you know with a lot more crispness in his style is really great. And, you know, this is an example of what CM Punk uh, could bring to the table as well. Uh, so, yeah, I highly recommend going to check this out. All right. Uh, on to my second match, which is from NOAH Noah from March 1st, 2003. Mitsuharu Misawa versus Kenta Kobashi. And so there's a story behind why this match is here. Um, so in my college years i had been starting to expand my wrestling horizons so to speak uh you know i had mentioned on a previous episode um the cage match between slaughter and kernodal versus jay youngblood and ricky steamboat which came from highspots.com and after discovering that on highspots i started to kind of navigate the website further and realized that they had compilations of some of the best matches of the year obviously that weren't wwe or wcw or any of that stuff um so it was mostly japanese matches and they had a bunch from uh this particular year 2003 and the dvd i selected had what at the time like at that moment was the only five-star match that they listed and i had never heard of any of the names on the list and so when i popped in the dvd and went through the various matches a lot of them very good i got to this match that was rated five stars and i see these guys for the first time and i'm like who the f are these old guys like these are like two ancient guys who are not chiseled out of granite and uh this is supposed to be a five-star match 
You know, that's that was my thought before it came on. And uh, then I watched it and I was blown away. I had never seen anything like that before in my life. And this match is the reason why I started liking Japanese style matches and why I would check into it as often as I do. Uh, certainly there's people out there that follow it very avidly. But the reason I'm still interested in the Japanese style is because of this match. Uh, these guys just have an absolute classic. And it was the first time I had seen the finishing move, the burning hammer, which uh, Kobashi uses here, which is just devastating if you've never seen it before. And there's a reason why you don't see it used in the US. Um, so if you've never seen a Japanese match, I highly recommend this being your introduction to Japanese style matches. And uh, Leonard, what'd you think? Yeah, well, I had not seen this before. As we discussed, I don't really watch a lot of Japanese stuff because, you know, access in the U.S. is not necessarily great when it comes to Japanese wrestling. I never had a, a huge, you know, inkling to find it out. Uh, I, I'm, of course, aware of who Masawa and Kabashi are, um, but had not seen this match. I thought it was a great all-around match. Nice mix of grappling, power wrestling, and high spots throughout. Uh, Misawa in particular really impressed me with the types of moves he could do for his weight and his age. Um, you could also tell he was the guy calling the match, and he was, I think, really good at putting a plan together and executing it, getting the other guy to execute it. Even without being able to understand the commentary, I very much grasped the storytelling here. Uh, countering was great throughout. Loved how they countered each other. Uh, I love how it was basically Kabashi hanging on by a thread. Most of the match from Masawa just took anything Kabashi could sneak in and came back double hard on him. It's like, you chop me, I'm going to lay you out with a forearm, you know, twice as hard as you hit me. Uh, then you've got the sequence on the floor where Masawa appears to be bleeding hard way from the mouth and is legit knock silly. And I think today they would have called the match there, but he powers yeah. through it. And Kabashi takes over for a while, and I think he does a really good job of helping cover for Masawa and getting Masawa time to get back into it. Uh, I thought the pacing felt a little off, not slow, but just kind of weird to me. And maybe that's because I don't, you know, I'm not familiar with Japanese wrestling, but something just the way the pacing felt weird. Like it wasn't slow, it wasn't fast, it was wasn't what they call methodical, but it felt a little weird to me just how the match was kind of laid out and how it progressed. Um, I mean, it was long, but didn't feel long in a bad way. Uh, I kept looking at the time, but it was more like, I can't believe these guys still have this much to go. Right. Like, oh, that's got to be the finish. Shit, they got 20 more minutes. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so I, re I really did enjoy this. Now, will it make me go and find more Japanese stuff? Probably not. Although, if next time you want to throw something masala my way for something, I would certainly be up to, to watching that. Yeah, and I, I should mention Kobashi uh, is has been one of my favorites for for a long time because of this match, um, and uh, Misawa as well. Um, unfortunately, the high spots box sets they were they released box sets at one point of uh, of Misawa of Kobashi of Kawada, who uh, we had mentioned in a previous episode, um, and those are not really available anymore. But you can find all those matches if you search enough. Um, and so I will mention. Uh, that I apologize if people see me reacting a certain way because I'm getting over a cold. And the reason I mentioned that now, Leonard, is because I had forgot to comment on the uh, commentary issue of your match that you had mentioned before, the uh, Samoa Joe CM Punk thing. 
Yes, the commentary uh, drops out about 15 minutes or so left where the yeah. commentators say, hey, let's just go watch this. Right, and so I, I love the match. I truly do, but I hate that part. Yeah. It's just good. Now, here's – I will say this. If they were going to do that, they should have committed to it from the beginning. They should have said, hey, we can't wait to watch this match. We think it's going to speak for itself, so we're going to go and watch it. It'll be commentary free. Okay, fine. That's weird, but fine. But when they do it right at the climax, to me, it's just awkward. It's like, okay, do your job. Like, do your job. Like, <laughs> like for a minute, I was thinking, was this the end of the pay-per-view? Like, the pay-per-view time ran out? And then I went, well, wait a minute. This, I don't think this was a pay-per-view. Right. You know, this was just their end-of-the-month super show or whatever it was. So. Right. So yeah, yeah I wanted to mention that to you because yeah. when I rewatched it, I was like, oh God, this is that match where they just leave. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. which I had which I had forgot about till I got until I got to that. And, and something I forgot to mention because you were you were talking about accessibility to Ring of Honor stuff. It probably I would say it was sometime between 2010, 2012. I was at a flea market and a dude had tons of, of DVDs for wrestling DVDs, including WWE stuff, a lot of oddball stuff for like a buck to five bucks. And so very interested in Ring of Honor, which I had seen zero of up to that point. Um, but this was at a time where Punk was known and Joe was known and other people. I did pick up a few things. I don't have those anymore. I wound up selling a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but that's where, where I first became familiar with Ring of Honor at was through these DVDs. Yeah, and to uh, you know, kind of double down on the Ring of Honor stuff, like I would have to buy some of the DVDs if I wanted to check out the matches for a long time. Um, I so I have this DVD, and I also have the DVD of uh, Samoa Joe facing Kenta Kobashi, one of his very rare appearances in U.S. where he would face anyone. And if you want to see a slap clinic, go seek out that match. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I wanted to go back to that. Because I've forgotten to mention it. All right, Leonard, what is your final pick? So my final pick is one that someone might have guessed that they've been following watching all of our uh, shows in the past because it came up in one of our silly questions. When asked my question, uh, what match would you show Space Aliens to explain professional wrestling? This was the match I picked, and it is Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24 from March 30th of 2008, um, what they call a career-threatening match. Basically, if Flair loses, he retires. It's a little over 20 minutes long. Not only is this a very solid all-around wrestling match with a mix of wrestling, brawling, and high spots, but some great storytelling and some great character work. Flair was almost 60, and Michaels was 43. You talked about the last match, Masala and Kabashi, between two old dudes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's the saying that I might not be as good as I want, uh, as I may not be as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. And both men showed that here, you know, Michaels hit some great stuff from the top rope into the outside, the moonsault where he goes flying through the table is an amazing spot. I love how Michaels gets tossed off the top rope. Like Flair usually does. And then Flair actually hits something off the top rope. He hits yeah. The top. Great storytelling there. And then you have the spot where Michaels is tuning up the band for the super kick and he just can't pull the trigger. And then that leads to a figure four leg lock spot, which is great. And the look on both men's faces at that moment tells so much. 
And then that plays into the famous ending where Michael's mouse, I'm sorry, I love you to Flair before he nails him with the super kick, the final one. Uh, and of course, we know now this wasn't Flair's last match, and it's too bad it wasn't before his last match, at least in WWE. It was an amazing way for one of the greatest of all time to go out. And I think this was just a great performance by two crafty veterans who wanted to do the absolute best for each other at the, at, at, and at this true WrestleMania moment. And I know this is a match that not doesn't show up on a lot of best of lists of this decade. And again, this is kind of a mix of a best of favorites of ours for all the different decades that we're talking about. And to me, this is without a doubt my favorite match of the decade. And I think it has a lot to do with what I've talked about, the storytelling, the character work, um, the, the fact that this, if you want to look at the whole thing, it goes back to when Ric Flair re-entered WWE as the co-owner to kind of spite Vince McMahon and the situation between um, you know, the, the the two of them throughout the song period and how this was Vince trying to finally end Ric Flair and how it was basically Shawn Michaels being like, you put the dog down or, or we'll do it in a way that you don't like. And um, just, just overall, really, really love this match and the whole story around it. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I compare this and, you know, the same stupid questions answer that I had with the Savage Warrior match. Yeah. I, I think that these two matches are very much alike in that, you know, if it was just on the match alone, you know, you might look at it differently. But sure. like the match itself is is good. The ending is iconic. Um, and that's kind of how I would sum it up. This is a very good match, like you said, between two guys who knew how to go. Um, now, obviously, by this point, Flair had been very much not just older, but out of shape and needed to kind of hang it up. Obviously, we knew he wouldn't do it totally. Uh, but still, this is, you know, him, him pulling out all the stops on the, you know, the grandest stage of them all, as they like to say. And uh, Shawn Michaels, they call risk Mr. WrestleMania. So, I mean, you just have two guys that are terrific at their craft, even if they're not in their prime. And, you know, it, it's a fun match to watch. It's not, it doesn't overstay its welcome because, you know, maybe of the age involved with Flair. Uh, and you know, the ending is very emotional. It's one of those moments that you'll see brought up again and again for a good reason, uh, because of, you know, everything that was going on in the ring at that time. It just, it, it tells a really great story. The commentary is great from JR and the King. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I totally understand why you picked this because it, like I said, it reminds me of why I picked mine from the, uh, from the nineties. So, yep. so on to my last match, which is from WWE SmackDown on September 16th, 2003. And it takes place from the RBC Center in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the match I have selected is the 60-minute Iron Man match between Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. So yes, we are talking about a TV match here and uh, just in case you wanted to know what else was going on on that card, it started with Chris Benoit and Rey Mysterio against Rhino and Tajiri. You also had Shaniqua against Tori Wilson and Nidia 
in a handicap match and Los Guerreros against the world's greatest tag team for the WWE Tag Team Championship. And so this match between Lesnar and Angle was for the WWE Championship. So this was a stacked card. Um, and SmackDown during this era, as you just heard some of the names I mentioned, was had a great roster. Yeah. Really did. They were pumping out regular awesome episodes. They really, really were. So I mean, Shaniqua, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody remembers her. Um, so I kind of struggled with what Kurt Angle match to pick for this decade because there are so many that you can pick from. And I wouldn't argue with anybody who says, oh, well, this Kurt Angle match to me is better. You know, there's so many to pick from. He is, you know, great. And I selected this one because for whatever reason, this one just stands out. And I can give some of my reasons, which is I thought that this was one of the better Iron Man matches that they've done because I thought that the whole that this match told a story. Um, Brock Lesnar was, you know, got the DQ. He was really he was trying to hurt Angle while at the same time give him a fall so that he could then get more falls down the line. I just thought that that was a really smart way of doing it. I thought that this match really showed off both of the skills that these guys had to offer. Um, I'm not sure where in their uh, their uh, series this. I think this is the blow off because they had their match at WrestleMania 19. They had then Angle's comeback match after his injury and surgery, where yeah. Angle would win the title. Um, I know that they were then in a triple threat match with the Big Show, and then this match, I think, came afterwards. So, uh, if memory serves, this was, like, the, the blow-off of that. And, uh, yeah, this, I mean, gosh, they mean so... And there's a lot of falls in this match. It's not just, you know, an Iron Man match with a headlock for 60 minutes. It is a match that has five falls to four. <laughs> so, Les, that's how Lesnar wins. This is just a match to me with so much action... And they utilized the entire terrain of the ring and around the ring. And like I said, this is one of those Iron Man matches that tells a story. There's a strategy that Lesnar is trying to use. And I just thought it came off really well. Um, you know, I think that The Rock and Triple H kind of used this strategy to a lesser degree in their Iron Man match. Um, but uh, this one to me is just a really good representation of what both of these guys can bring to uh, a match in general. So, Leonard? I agree with a lot of what you said, but you're going to hate me because there's three things about this match that I don't like. One is the ref bump in the middle because with what Lesnar was doing and the length of that bump, a new referee should have come out. Um, I don't like the commercial breaks interrupting the flow of the match. Yeah. You know, yeah, using... To take that, yeah. Because they use replay to catch people up and then you're more behind. They should have pioneered picture in a picture. You know, I think picture in a picture existed for like the NFL and other sports at this time. I think it had been used, but maybe not in wrestling before. I think that would have really added to the epicness of it if you had the picture in a picture quality of it. And the other is I don't like Angle going for the ankle lock as time ran out because that's stupid to go for a submission with time running out. And he knew time was running out. So those are three things I don't like. However, I did like the unique feel of the match. And the hype and the importance given to it by the commentators and by Vince McMahon at the start of the show introducing it. 
I like the up tempo throughout. I like how it wasn't a bunch of ludicrous spots like you would see out of something like this today. It was great power wrestling with some grappling in there. Um, as you mentioned, great story being told. I like Lesnar doing anything he can to win. Him drawing the DQ early on with the chair and then capitalizing on that, that's absolutely brilliant. You know, I, I, I think that has been stolen here and there since then, but not to that degree. Uh, the count out win was smart. You know, I like how he's taken the win wherever he can get it. Right. Um, you know, last week people might notice that we didn't actually probably went, no, it was last week. It's all running together now. But when we talked about the 90s, we didn't even mention Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. And that's be, for me is because I think that's a very boring match. I do not like it at I all. I think it's I think it's overrated. Yeah. And this is good for the reason that you said. There's a lot of falls, different types of falls done in different ways. And it makes it exciting. It makes it very neat to follow. The fact that Lesnar gets so far up and Angle has to come so far back. It was just a really great way to, to do it. And I would much rather watch this match 100 times in a row over WrestleMania 12 months. Yeah, and you know... Uh... You mentioning the other Iron Man match uh, and WWE actually today on their Instagram posted a clip from what I would consider one of the worst Iron Man matches to me, which was uh, John Cena versus Randy Orton, where uh, Randy Orton literally tries to kill John Cena with the pyrotechnics. Um, I hated, hated. I vaguely remember that. I would have to revisit it. Hated that match so much. It just goes so overboard. But um but yeah, as far as the you mentioned the picture in picture, so WWE does it sometimes. But I don't know. AEW has a stellar of a deal um, in that they use picture in picture like ninety percent of the time. <laughs> There's only like one or if in a two hour uh, you know wrestling show, there might be one or two where it's just straight up commercials. Mm -hmm. But they use that picture in picture as much as possible, which I I like. You know, especially if it's uh, an important match, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I, I like I like that part of any wrestling show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, Leonard, are there any matches um, that you wish you would have mentioned? Not off the top of my head. I think we did a pretty good job of covering – I know there's so many more that we could pull out, especially from different promotions than WWE – but 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 taking that we're just looking at a very small subset of our favorite slash ones that we think are just really good. I think we did a really good job. So I mean, I, the same question back to you: Is there anything that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's probably a ton of uh, a TNA matches that I could have yeah. looked into more. I, I really do think that some of the stuff TNA was doing was very underrated. They mm -hmm. had a lot of great matches. Um, the match with uh, oh geez, I think it's America's Most Wanted and Elix Skipper, and uh, I forget who is Elix Skipper's tag team partner was the one where Elix Skipper walks the like walks the cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember who that is now, but yeah, I mean, I was watching TNA heavily during this period because they well all two periods they started out and they had the weekly pay per views, which of course I wasn't watching, but when they finally got the T the TV deal. Where were they? It was were they on TNN originally or Spike TV? What became Spike TV? It, well, yeah, it was yeah Spike TV, and um, yeah, they would be on that weekly. Yeah, yeah. So that's I think when I really got into watching them 
on a regular basis and, and, and really enjoyed them. And even before I kind of cut the cord on cable, I was still watching them on a regular basis on whatever, you know, channel 790 yeah, yeah. TV or whatever channel they were on at the time. Yeah, I mean, some um, of the X Division matches yeah. were, were just outstanding. Yeah. Um, you know, when Kurt Angle would, would show up there, he had a lot of classics. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Yeah, but I think that, that came in the teens. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, you, you might see them mentioned uh, on our next episode. So we, so we are doing teens next time. Yes, and I should mention that that will be our, our final, uh, you know, run through the decade. Yes, yes because season. we've only got two years. Yeah. Of- the current decade and i suppose we yeah, could, we could. Messed up so far but i don't know i don't know where that would uh where the how far that would get us so. yes yes i mean that's fine i think ending at the teens is fine and to be honest with you right at the top of my head right now i have nothing in mind i have nothing picked i'm really gonna have to dig to find and some stuff i'm gonna tell you something else i can guarantee oh well i won't say guarantee i will be willing to bet that the matches I select are matches that you will need to watch for the first time. <laughs> okay. So, that that, that so, is funny. So, because yeah, you know, you have, uh, you have a lot going on it from 2010 to 2020. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in Japan, a lot of stuff in WWE and NXT um, as well. So I'm anxious to get to that decade and uh, to maybe further expand Leonard's horizons. What do you think, Leonard? Are you excited? Are you amped for our big finale? Are we going to go not, bang? Not at all, and nor <laughs> will it probably encourage me to want to start watching again. And I shouldn't say not at all because people are like, well, he doesn't care. He doesn't watch that. I am actually kind of interested to see what we both come up with. Again, again, yeah. given there is one NXT match in my mind that I would, I would probably go with, and it's probably not one you would think. All right. All right. But, well, but, but we'll see. All right. Well, like I said before, let us know what you thought of our picks. Let us know if we totally blanked on one that you think we should have mentioned. Uh, any comments, positive or negative, we love to read. Um, and we have been looking at the comments, or at least, well, I have. I've been checking into the comments um, in some of our uh, our Stupid Questions videos. Leonard, we have gotten some comments. Um, oh, mainly, I will have to go back and check. Mainly the one, uh, you know, who should have never been a WWE, a world champion. I yes. And even though we mentioned it in our video, people still mentioned Jinder Mahal right away. Like, I yeah. think there's three or four comments that mentioned Jinder Well, Mahal. I think a lot of people no. will see the title of something and just comment before watching or without watching. And right. Which is kind of in, in the nature of, you better have said Jinder Mahal. Well, we, we did. He was it's there. why I love doing those videos. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll have to, you know what, because we've done this long string, we'll have to get back to those, I think, as long uh with some more of our random matches ones too i enjoy i absolutely um and check us out on apple Podcasts and or spotify if you'd rather listen to us um hit the like button on our youtube video subscribe to our content wherever you can uh give us five star reviews we would appreciate that and uh please let us know what you think of any of our content for leonard my name is chad we will see you next week and alexa will see you out